you could turn in your Bibles, please, to Second Chronicles chapter uh, 34. It will be page number 716 if you're using a pew Bible, 716. 2 Chronicles 34, the previous chapter, wicked king Manasseh has died. And uh, Josiah has come to the throne. Um, during the course of this chapter, they find the, the book of the law in the uh, temple. And that it's obviously read. And uh, they see how serious things are. You know, how they have uh, offended God and his word. The king, Josiah, he uh, humbles himself before God, rips his garments, etc. We're going to break into the uh, chapter at verse 26. God speaking through uh, his prophet, his servant says, But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God. When you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants. And you humbled yourself before me. You tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. So they brought back word to the king. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And he made all who were present in Jerusalem, Benjamin, take a stand, So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, God of their fathers. Thus Josiah removed all the abominations from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel. They made all who were present in Israel diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. Amen. Let's turn again to the New Testament and Paul's second letter to Timothy. Read this uh, portion of scripture we've read uh, a few times now from verse uh, uh, 14 uh, through to verse um, 17 uh, through to the end of the chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. So read God's word. And uh, we looked at scripture being sufficient for salvation. The holy scriptures, Paul writes to Timothy, are able to make you wise for salvation, which comes, of course, through faith, which is in uh, Christ Jesus. Last week, I sought to reinforce that truth by looking at the testimony of Jesus himself, particularly drawing attention to some verses in the Gospel of John, where we have the continual teaching of Jesus about the power of his word and the word of God. Now, tonight, we come to what is basically the second point from this section that we're looking at and want to see how that scripture is sufficient for transformation. Because, beloved, is it not transformation that Paul is referring to here under the inspiration of the, you know, the Spirit of God as he pens this in verses 16 and 17? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. And you'll notice as we go into verse 17, so that, what's the purpose? So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, notice uh, Paul is not teaching primarily on the doctrine of inspiration, Not, of course, that these verses teach us nothing about inspiration. I'm not suggesting that at all. But in terms of uh, Paul's purpose, he's not giving us a discourse on the inspiration of Scripture. Uh, This great summary statement on the part of the Apostle Paul is showing that the um, the Bible is absolutely essential to both maturity and Christian usefulness. Paul is not informing Timothy of the fact that Scripture is inspired. Um, That wasn't his primary uh, purpose. No, uh, there wasn't any doubt in Timothy's mind that Scripture is inspired. Uh, But what Paul is doing is that he's reminding Timothy that the basis of the profitableness of the scriptures lies in its inspiration. The reason, Paul says, that you can use it the way you use it and the way I'm telling you to use it is because of the nature of this book. Uh, This book is unlike any other book in the world. And it's unlike any other book in the world because he says it is theonuptos, it is God breathed. Now, what that uh, means is mysterious and wonderful. It's not that the scriptures existed and God came along and breathed life into the works of uh, a man or men, but rather it is that God breathed. He spoke, and he spoke out the very scriptures using 
ordinary men using their personality and within the environment of their historical context. Uh, Writing, obviously, as ordinary men inspired by the power of the Spirit of God. God was actually breathing out his truth. So that what we have is the actual you know, word of God. And he's doing that, God is doing that, in order that through this, men might come to salvation. Scripture is uh, profitable for salvation, as we're seeing. And uh, <clears throat> also he's doing it because uh, this is the means by which God's people are transformed, as we sit under the Uh, the sound and the ministry of the word of God and apply it, hence scripture is sufficient for transformation. Now, notice the transformation that takes place for us is outlined for us there in the 16th and 17th verse. But I just want to focus this evening on the uh, the first one there in verse 16. Uh, It's useful for doctrine. Or teaching. For teaching the faith. Now this function obviously takes place after uh, salvation has occurred. And you say, well Billy, why are you saying that uh, this function takes place after conversion uh, has taken place? Or salvation has taken place? Well to say that simply uh, because of 1 Corinthians 2 chapter 14 Uh, where we read that the natural man, the unsaved man, those who are, you know, dead in trespasses and sins, uh, where we once were, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why not? For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Why not? Because they are spiritually discerned. You have to be born again in order to understand this. The natural man is spiritually dead. But those of us who are saved, who are born again, Second, First uh, Corinthians 2 verse 16 tells us, we have the mind of Christ. So when you become a believer, you receive what theologians have chosen to call the ministry of the illumination by the, Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit. So basically what that is saying is that the Spirit of God takes up residence in our heart and begins to illuminate the the word to us. And uh, we begin to learn what it teaches, you know, as we carry out our devotional times, as we have Bible studies, as we sit under the ministry of the word of God. Now, uh, the term doctrine is probably a better translation than teaching, which you may have in some of your translations. And this is basically say that because what's being described here is not a process, but content. Uh, This describes a a body of truth, which is taught, the daskali, that which is taught. Uh, The scripture then confers truth to us. It gives us a body of truth by which uh, we are to think and act. Uh, and that's basically it, I think, in a nutshell. You know, the scripture is a body of truth which is to control our thinking and our acting. 
And so as you study the word of God and you accumulate the body of truth, uh, the more that you accumulate, the more, you know, shape to God's standards, your behavior and your conduct uh, becomes. But it starts with content. People cannot do what they do not know. Uh, They cannot function on principles that they do not understand. And so primarily the scripture is there to provide for the saved a repository of truth. Principles uh, principles for life and thought. In fact, uh, we have already noted, have me a couple of times uh, in our study of uh, this uh, particular epistle that Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, make sure that you guard or that you keep that which has been entrusted to you. You know, that body of truth, make sure you're protecting it. Uh, Paul looked at uh, apostolic doctrine as that which God had obviously taught him and the other apostles and which God had ordained that he and the other apostles obviously pass on uh, to others this body of truth. You know, make sure you pass it on and guard it uh, as you're passing it on. But like the relay race, I think, was one of the examples we used, you know, when you're passing on the baton. You know, that, that's what you're doing. Make sure that you pass on this body of truth that has been given. Pass it on faithfully. And Paul, if you remember, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 27, when he meets the Ephesian elders at Miletus, uh, he says to them, I have not shunned, I, I never failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And then he says in verse 31 of uh, Acts 20, you know, for three years, For three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so he preached, as we know, in their homes uh, when he had the opportunity. He also preached in the synagogues, uh, always giving out the truth in order that people might be saved. You know, the scriptures are sufficient for, you know, salvation. And uh, he's preaching the word of God and he's praying that they come to a knowledge of the truth uh, which would then govern their life because as they said under the sound of this word scripture is sufficient for the transformation of the life and we know that the truth is none other than the word of God Jesus in his high priestly prayer said in John 17 17 sanctify them by your truth your word is truth and so you see beloved how important it is to know and to imply, apply the truth of the word of God. You know, there have been countless times, um, you know, people have come to, to pastors and said, you know, well, you know, if I, had a, if I had have known that, I would never have done this. You know, if I had known what the, the Bible taught about this, I wouldn't have done it. I know that I wouldn't be in the mess in a minute, the minute, you know, if I had of known what the Bible taught or if I had to abide, uh, obeyed, the, uh, obeyed the Bible. And of course, that's right, isn't it? So it is. You, you remember what um, God says through Hosea, the prophet in chapter 
uh, 4 verse 6. You know, God's uh, giving this indictment uh, upon the people. And as God speaks through the prophet Hosea, uh, he says, my people are destroyed. And this is the, the indictment. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of what? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, not lack of seal. You know, there was no shortage of seal. Not lack of uh, emotion. No shortage of emotion. Not lack of anything. But he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They didn't know. They should have known. You know, they, they were shepherds within the, uh, the house of uh, Israel and Judah at this time. You know, they, they should have known. But they weren't being taught. And so because they didn't know and they were turning away from God, they they couldn't live the way they were supposed to live. And so do you see, friends, why you need to be in a place and encourage people to be in places that teach uh, the word of God? You need to learn uh, the word of God. Systematic, faithful proclamation of the word of God. Declaration of God's truth is foundational, uh, you know, to the living of the Christian life. Uh, We must know God's truth before, obviously, we can act it out, live it out. And the scripture gives it to us in doctrine. And uh, it is useful, this book, we're told, is useful for for doctrine. It gives us our framework. In Exodus chapter 24, Moses recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances and all the people answered with one voice uh, and said all all that they you know all the words which the Lord has spoken we will do that's the attitude all that the Lord has spoken we will do and Moses gave them all the words of the Lord and they said yep we're, we're going to do this obviously they didn't we know the story you know they didn't live up to it You know, it was a nice thought. But what I'm saying, friends, is basically that should be our commitment also. All that we hear, you know, the word uh, the Lord telling us to do, our response should be similar to the people of God in the Old Testament. All that the Lord says, we we will do. We want to know what the Lord says so that we can obey it. So that we can follow him and be faithful in following him. Why do you think uh, in the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we are told to go out and make uh, disciples of all nations, baptizing them, obviously, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things that I have what? All things that I have commanded you. And so we have this, you know, tremendous responsibility of proclaiming the truth, being built up in the truth so that we can proclaim it. We know that the principles of God's word are illustrated in a multitude of ways throughout scripture. There are all sorts of pictures that illustrate that for us. And we, we obviously know that simply because we are a people who want to sit under the sound of God's word and we want to be taught those principles. And we need to be praying that God would help us to work them out in our lives because as we sit under the, the teaching of the word of God and the principles of the word of God, as all of that happens, 
we are accumulating and understanding what can guide us through life and enable us to shine, as Paul says to the Philippians, shine as stars amidst the, the darkness in which we live. And so it's important to know, obviously, God's truth so that we are transformed. And scripture is sufficient for that. So as we learn it, we live it, and we proclaim it without apology. In Matthew uh, 22, verse 16, uh, you have one of the most uh, wonderful commendations of Christ ever given by unbelievers. Uh, the Pharisees came, as you know, they, they came and they, uh, they tried to catch Catch Jesus time after time and his words. They were always trying to trip him up, um, set a trap for him so that they could, uh, you know, eliminate him. And, you know, they sent the, uh, you know, their fellow Pharisees on one occasion with the Herodians, which was uh, uh, unusual because the two of them couldn't stand the, the sight of each other. Um, they were the strange bedfellows. But they come to Jesus in that uh, chapter in Matthew. And they said, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person or men. You see, Jesus taught truthfully the way of God. He, he deferred to no one. He was, wasn't partial to anyone. Jesus couldn't be intimidated he was committed to the truth and living out that truth obviously in his life you know what a commendation he taught God's truth because that's what men needed to know it wasn't always popular but he taught it um, many many years ago now um you know, talking to uh, a believer um, about funeral arrangements, as, as some of you, you do, uh, with myself, you know, talk about your funeral arrangements and say many years ago, talking uh, to dear saint about the funeral arrangements. And then they said, uh, you know, Billy, I know what you're like. My family will be offended if uh, you mention hell. And so please don't mention hell if you're taking my funeral. I want my unsaved family members to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I want them to know that Jesus loves them. So tell them at my funeral service, you tell them about the love of Jesus. Well, you folk know me also, and you know my response. You'll get another preacher to take your funeral. Obviously, yeah, I'll talk about the love of Christ. But like it or not, hell is a reality. Like it or not, Christ spoke about hell. You know, those who die without Christ... They go to that awful, awful place. 
where the worm doesn't die. And there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Offensive or not, that has to be preached. They said of Jesus, he always taught the truth. The truth of God's word, deferred to no one, wasn't partial to anybody, picked no sides. Paul had the, the apostle Paul had the same spirit. You see that in Acts chapter 20 that I mentioned earlier. Essentially, he, he is saying the same thing. I'm just going to teach the word of God. Whatever Christ gives me to teach, I will teach it. I'm going to teach it wherever, whenever, you know, as God opens the door, I will proclaim it. I'm not going to worry about what happens to me. And I'm not going to worry about my own life because I don't count it dear to myself. What I want to do is proclaim this message. Message that transforms people's lives, transforms their homes, transforms their communities. And beloved, don't we want to be committed to the truth? We want to be people committed to building the body of truth that becomes the foundation of our behavior. So we seek to live it out in our lives. We, we must be committed to truth. We must be committed to building our spiritual strength. That's why we took time to read from Second Chronicles a few moments ago. Second uh, Chronicles 34, 31, you know, where Josiah uh, stands up and he, he, makes, he makes a covenant before the Lord. He makes a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant that were written in his book, in, in God's book. You can read about young Josiah, you know, what a devoted man. What a devoted king. You know, ought to have the spirit of Josiah. Listen again to what he said. He said he wanted to walk before the Lord or after the Lord. To keep the commandments, the testimonies, the statutes with all his heart, with all his soul. To perform the words of the covenant written in this book. Beloved, that's where Christian living starts. That's who God is calling he calls a people who will commit themselves uh, to the word of God. Now, what is the practical implication of this? Well, first of all, obviously, you have to know it, as I said, and then you have to what? You have to live it. Uh, and it starts with knowing it. Scripture is profitable for doctrine. We have to be committed to the fact that Scripture is the source of doctrine. It's the source of teaching. Uh, there's no other source. You know, there, there's no other place that we can go. It, it, it's in, it's in this, uh, this book that, that God has given, given to us. You know, that this is the truth. This is the light. Obviously, there are other helpful books. There are uh, other books that comment on this, and they're helpful in their comments on this. They 
uh, expand and uh, elucidate and apply some of the uh, the texts that we perhaps find difficult at times. But at the end of the day, we always come back to this. And we always stand upon uh, the word of God. Now, just to try and um, ground all of this here, and then we'll, we'll meet around the, the table in a few moments. Um, just to try and fix this in your mind. Here's an illustration from Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, because you're all very familiar with that portion of scripture and the armor of God. So um, we'll, we'll sort of try and tie this all together and then we'll finish, okay? So in Ephesians chapter 6, as you know, we have the gospel armor. It's that vivid illustration of the matter of the word of God and its place in the believer's life. And we know that the first pieces of armor are primarily defensive, you know, a helmet to protect the head, a breastplate to protect the chest, etc., a shield uh, to protect also and so forth. But then finally you come to the offensive weapon in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 17, the, uh, the second part of verse 17, where it talks about and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, just to help you understand this, the sword referred to here is a, like a, a dagger type of sword, somewhat around you know, six inches or so in, in length. Uh, a small, uh, precise, you know, little weapon that had to be used in a precise manner in order to deliver a fatal blow. Uh, so the word of God, first of all, is to be used precisely. It's the sword of the spirit. You know, it's not like, you know, one of the, the large sort of swords, you know, with about a you know, three foot blade that you have in two hands and you're just wielding it all round the place uh, indiscriminately. Uh, the sword has to be used with tremendous discrimination, uh, tremendous astuteness, tremendous care, tremendous skill. So Paul says in Ephesians 6, you know, the sword of the spirit, and then he tells you what it is. It is the word of God. And instead of the word logos, for word, he uses the Greek term rima, which basically means a specific statement. So it seems to be that he is trying to emphasize here, under the inspiration of the spirit of God, that you use the scripture with precision. Uh, you use the specific statement like a small dagger thrust into the vital area with great dexterity. It isn't just that you, you know, have the sword of the, the spirit because, you know, having to own a Bible. You know, you could have a lot of Bibles in your, in your home. And you have a lot of... You can have a lot of these uh, swords in your home, uh, but they're absolutely useless uh, until you know how to, to use this sword, until you know how to use the specific statements of, uh, of Scripture and apply them to specific points of temptation with precision. Now, uh, that's basically the issue, the point I'm driving at here. The sword of the Spirit is a precision weapon. And it's used with precision to be applied to given situations. 
of temptation with precision. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, you know, you study to show yourself approved unto God. You study, be diligent in your study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to understand it. And you must know how to cut it straight. You must know how to properly interpret it and apply it so that you can use this sword properly. And so the challenge in learning God's word is to master truths, which give you the wisdom to use the sword at uh, every point that Satan, the world and the flesh, will try to attack you. And so the idea is that you can pull out the sword and use it with precision because you know precisely what the word of God has to say about any given situation. Now, the classic illustration, obviously, is seen in the temptations of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was tempted on three separate occasions by the devil. And every time the devil tempted him, Jesus answered what way? He answered with scripture. He answered with the sword. Precisely. He quoted from the book of Deuteronomy, as you know. Now, Jesus didn't have to do that. You know, do uh, you realize that Jesus didn't have to quote scripture? You know, he could have said something and it would have become scripture. But you understand, Jesus did not have to quote scripture, but he does. He quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. And he's giving us what as he does that. Here's a temptation from Satan. Jesus responds by using scripture precisely. You know, coming back at Satan with the exact text that is needed to silence the wicked one. So he's giving, Jesus is giving us a pattern, isn't he? He, he was giving us an example. He was giving us a means to understand how to deal with temptation. So the more I get into this book, the more I'm familiar with this book, and when Satan comes, the world comes, the devil, um, you know, the flesh comes, you know, I'm able to quote portions of scripture that say, this is how to respond to this. This is how to tackle this. Use the sword of the spirit with precision to deal the fatal blow. And in essence, that's what we are to do, friends. That's what happened when the word of God is imbibed and taken into the life. When you have the sword, you can use the sword and you can use it with precision. As I say, in any given situation, you become uh, potentially a victor if you apply what you have learned. So the word of God, the scripture is useful, useful, as we were saying last week, for salvation, useful for doctrine, and therefore useful for transformation, um, making us the the people that God called us to be. And God wants us to, to bring the word into our lives as believers constantly. He wants us to do that systematically, repeatedly, so that the word of Christ will dwell in us what? The word of Christ will dwell in us richly, abundantly, super abundantly, so that we are literally dominated, we are saturated, we are filled 
with uh, the Word of God so that our mind is renewed uh, with the Word in order that we may possess the sword, in order that we may think and act according and accord with God's truth. What is the work of the Word? To, to save and to teach. And it always accomplishes its purpose when it's mixed with a believing, receiving heart. And I trust uh, yours is that kind of heart. And obviously we can't stop here because we don't always respond to the word of God as we ought to. We don't always live the way we ought to. So the word of God also has a ministry of reproof. It has a ministry of correction. It has a ministry of instruction in righteousness which obviously involves chastening, all with the aim of transforming us, making us, as I say, what God has called us to be.